Chapter 22 Sandy's Choice Sandy was frisky, a tawny skin full of life. He pranced under the trees in Custer's Grove as Pete threw the Navajo saddle blanket on his back. The horse was obviously enjoying the crisp early morning air. As for Pete, every morning that he saddled Sandy gave him a thrill of pleasure. But today he felt special delight. The pony was as fresh as if he hadn't been traveling steadily for two days. It seemed almost as if he were showing off for Hatsy as a kind of farewell salute. Today would be Pete's and Sandy's last with the old man, for a while at least. Hatsy was packing the supplies he'd got from Custer and readying his wagon for the fishing trip into the Sangre de Kirstos that he had postponed when Sandy was being gentled. Through the trees, Pete saw the poacher's van waiting to be taken away. One of the officers had driven off last night in the jeep with its load of evidence. Pete chuckled again at the way in which Hatsy had out-talked the officers, convincing them that he could have his vacation instead of hanging around the court to tell the judge these men were poachers. Anybody could see that, he argued. Now the old man climbed into the wagon seat and clucked to his team. Pete mounted and they started off, following Moore's jeep trail. Once out of the trees, Pete galloped on ahead, letting Sandy work off his excess steam. In a minute, he pulled up to wait for the wagon. But there it was, just about where he had left it. Beside it in the sagebrush stood an automobile. Pete's heart sank. Would they have to go to court after all? He trotted back towards the wagon. Fella here wants to see you, Hatsy called. As Pete pulled up, he added, Says he's from the newspaper and wants to meet up with Chicago Pete. I already told him a few things. Pete was pleased and embarrassed, too. He dismounted and answered the young reporter's questions, which seemed to cover almost everything, starting with when he was born. Mind if I take a picture of you, too? The reporter asked. I guess not, Pete replied self-consciously. Stand over there, the reporter said, motioning him out into the open. Not just me, Pete said. You have to take Sandy, too. He moved over to the pony. Sure, Hatsy said. That's a genuine sand dune mustang. Pete caught him and gentled him himself. You could write about that, too. About the time Pete and Pony saved my life. Pete's protest meant nothing for Hatsy insisted on telling the whole story of the sandstorm and the Indian relics. When the reporter had found out everything he seemed to want, he thanked Pete and Hatsy and said goodbye. Wait a minute, partner, Hatsy said. I just thought of something. You can do Pete a favor if you want to. You might just call up some professor fella at that college in Alamosa and ask him to pick up that Indian stuff for a museum. It's sitting in the barn at the Lazy B-5. Unless Clara Perkins had heaved it out because of the cluster it makes. But you'll be back at the ranch by tomorrow night, and he can tell the professor a lot. I bet he don't know. Agreeing to deliver the message, the reporter took a final picture of Pete as he swung into the saddle. Now they moved steadily along the sloping foothills, following Moore's jeep trail. Hatsy was going to continue all the way up to Moore's camp. Then he would push on to his secret fishing grounds high above. At the dunes... Pete would leave the old man and head for the ranch. He was eager to do some work with Uncle Lem's cowhands before he had to go back to school in Chicago. It was well into the afternoon when they reached the place where they planned to separate. Pete checked the bedroll and the food that he had tied at the back of the saddle. Then he shook hands with Hatsy and started to say quick thanks for everything. The best way to thank me is to make sure Clara don't throw out my new Stetson when it comes, Hatsy said. Tell her I'll be down to pick it up before the leaves start turning. Adios, partner. He flipped the reins and the Appaloosas turned the wagon up the trail behind the dunes. Pete watched till the strange-looking outfit had disappeared behind the first ridge. Then he headed Sandy toward the dunes. 
you might as well have one last run here in your old home before you start being a full-time cow pony, he said. Near the south end of the dunes, there was a point where the sand waste narrowed. Pete planned to cut across here out into the Alkali Flats, then turn north toward the ranch. As the horse felt the sand under his feet once more, Pete sensed a little change in his gait, which helped him keep a sure footing. It seemed to Pete there was always something new to find out about Sandy. When they were well out into the dunes, Sandy paused and pricked up his ears, sniffing with nostrils alert and sensitive. Pete felt that the horse was interested, not afraid. He let Sandy have his head. Sandy turned up a ridge and trotted along as if he had a real purpose. Then, with a whinny, he sped up. Pete saw why. On a ridge to the west stood a small band of wild mustangs, the old stallion at their head. Startled now, the band raced down behind the ridge and disappeared. Sandy slowed his pace and after a moment shook his head, as if waiting for Pete to give him direction. Pete had been tense with excitement and doubt. Would Sandy try to rejoin the band? But now he knew. Sandy had left the dunes forever. He had chosen between the wild band and Pete, and the whole valley and its magnificent rim of mountains stretched out ahead for them to explore. Together.